0: broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas. This is 1radio network.com. Well, very pleasant good morning to you. Welcome. How are you? It's another week of uh, broadcast uh, broadcasting here from 1radio network.com. Good morning. My name is Patrick Timpone and uh, this is 1radio network.com. We're generally on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, take Thursday's off to work on our screenplays and uh, become a big Hollywood star. Just kidding. And then Friday, then we come back for our, to wrap up the week on a one-on-one. We have a nice week for you. Uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, Howard Mikowski. He is the author of the book, Exit the Cave, Ending the Reincarnation Trap. That'll be fun. Charles Nenner. Charles has this whole AI thing with, way before AI was even cool on the stock market, very reputable fellow. And we're going to see if we can get him to predict what the market's going to do so you go out and make some money. Adam Bergstrom will be here on Wednesday. And then uh, we have Martin Armstrong, speaking of money, scheduled for next week. So we have lots to do. And you can join us anytime. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com or call triple 663 I saw a uh, video with Dr. Thomas Seafried. Some time ago, and I was really quite taken with the way he presented his work with cancer. We invited him on, and he's a busy fellow, teaches biology at Boston College. It's Boston College, right, Doc? Boston College? Thank you. Yeah. And he has a Ph.D. in genetics, biochemistry, from the University of Illinois in 1976, He did undergraduate work at the University of New England, where he recently received the Distinguished Alumni Achievement Award. He also holds a master's degree in genetics from Illinois State University. He served with distinction in the United States Army, won lots of awards and honors. Um, He has previously served as chair scientific advisory uh, committee for the National Tay-Sachs and Allied Disease Association and editorial boards including those of nutrition and metabolism, neurochemical research and the journal of lipid research. That's a lot of geeky stuff, doc. Dr. Seafried has over 150 peer-reviewed publications and does quite Excuse me, quite a bit of research on cancer. That's your main thing, Dr. Seafried, right? Cancer, that's it. That's that's your yeah, pu-
1: Well, it's it- Thank you, Patrick. It, it is now. I mean, I I, I had done work in, in lipid biochemistry for many, many decades, and also I worked in the field of epilepsy uh, when I was at Yale University and uh, had pursued work on epilepsy for, for several decades as well before shifting most of our research now into the cancer field. Uh, of course, the cancer field was parallel to the epilepsy field and the biochemistry field, um, mostly doing, you know, structural biochemistry and, you know, hard, hardcore biochemical analysis. We're now into more of the treatment and, and uh, recognition of the theories that drive the understanding of the disease. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm a, do you have any grandchildren? I do. How I do. Old? seven. Yeah, going from 15 all the way down to four years.
0: Okay, so let's say we have a 10-year-old grandchild comes up to you some Sunday, you're on the couch, and he says, Grandpa, what, what is cancer? What do you tell them?
1: Um, well, the first thing you tell them is it's uh, cell, cells growing out of control. Um, and then you must tell them what cells are, and then you must tell them what's inside the cells. And therefore, and that by that time they, they run away uh, (laughs) looking for something else to do. So, uh, you have to put it into perspective. I mean, but if you're the guy with the cancer, Mm -hmm. uh, you want to know a hell of a lot more than what the healthy little grandkid would want. Uh Um, but the definition of cancer is, uh, cell division out of control, dysregulated cell growth. That's the, that's the uh, the definition.
0: Dysregulated cell growth, and yeah. there's about, I was trying to put a number on it, but I would suspect half a trillion dollars gets thrown around on the worldwide at this name, this cancer thing. Somehow, um,
1: yeah, I, I, we don't know the exact number, but but it's, it's certainly. Let's put it this way, it's a
0: big number. It's a big number, either research or curing or whatever. This, yeah it's, it's quite a, a it's quite a brand name really if you think about it i mean it's a pretty pretty hot brand right pretty strong
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i i, I you, you, you don't find too many people on the planet that never
0: heard of it yeah. let's put it that way yeah it's like bigger than bigger than nike okay so after all these years sir do you do you have a pretty good idea of why these cells get out of control and dysregulate do we know
1: yeah we have a pretty a pretty clear idea hmm. um At the general level, uh, of course, you know you can always go deeper and deeper and deeper, Hmm. and then and then get lost in the minutia. But 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 the 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 dysregulated cell growth is the result of um, a chronic interruption of how cells generate energy. So um, I I like to to uh, emphasize that um, all of us breathe in oxygen. And uh, that oxygen allows us to generate energy uh, through a chemical process called oxidative phosphorylation. Um, We exhale CO2 and water. The waste products of oxidative phosphorylation are primarily water and CO2. So the foods that we ate uh, come back out. Uh, The carbons are broken down inside the mitochondria the little the organelle inside cells that is predominantly responsible for two major things number one they give us the energy that we need and number two they maintain the regulated growth of the cells so that organelle is pretty much the the controller uh, of the normal physiological state of the cell Uh, what happens in cancer is that that organelle uh, becomes damaged uh, chronically, not acute. If it's acute damage to mitochondria, you die, The cell will die uh, quickly. Uh, but cancer doesn't doesn't it doesn't happen that way. It happens from chronic, periodic damage to the ability of that cell to generate energy through uh, using oxygen. So how does that happen? Well, mm. it can happen from intermittent hypoxia. It can happen from exposure to chemical carcinogens. That's why we call these things carcinogens, because they're chemicals uh-huh. that have the potential. And what those chemicals do is they chronically damage the ability of that organelle to produce energy with using oxygen. Um, intermittent, yeah chronic inflammation can can damage the respiration. Uh, rare inherited mutations like the BRCA one you hear about yeah. with Angela H. O. Lee and these kinds. Uh, these are all what we call secondary risk factors. Uh, virus uh, Viruses like oncogenic viruses, like uh, papillomavirus, hepatitis C viruses, they enter into the cells and they chronic- chronically damage the respiratory capacity of the cell. Aging, the older you get, the more likely your mitochondria in some tissue, in some Cells will be chronically damaged. So, what what follows chronic damage? In order for the cell to stay alive, it must make energy, and that energy is ATP. Mm-hmm. adenosine triphosphate. This is the gold energy of our cells, and all of our normal cells are generating energy through uh, oxygen uh, oxidative phosphorylation, as I as I just said. Uh, but if it's not if it's not acutely damaged, the cell will eventually uh, upregulate uh, an alternative form of energy, which is called fermentation energy. This is ancient energy. This is energy uh, that was produced in all of our organisms on the planet uh, before oxygen came into the atmosphere. This was 2.5 billion years ago. So so any any organism that lived on the planet 2.5 billion years ago was fermenting. That means getting energy without oxygen because there was no oxygen. All of our cells in our body today have these same ancient pathways that existed before oxygen came into the atmosphere. And what the cancer cell happens in the cancer cell is that they transition gradually over to this ancient fermentation because the organelle that needs the oxygen to generate energy through the efficient oxidative phosphorylation becomes chronically damaged. So... All cancer cells, regardless of the tissue from where they come from, they're using these ancient fermentation pathways. And when that happens, the cell loses control of its growth. So uh, all the cells that existed before oxygen came into the atmosphere were rapidly proliferating in a dysregulated manner. There was no regulation of cell growth. So cancer is simply uh, a, a situation where the cells fall back on these ancient fermentation pathways and become completely dysregulated. And the only thing that regulates, the only thing that they need to grow are fermentation fuels. So we have identified what those fermentation fuels are and it's the simple sugar glucose and the amino acid glutamine. So so, uh, basically we found that no cancer cells can survive for very long without these two fuels for their fermentation. And it doesn't make a difference what kind of cancer it is. They're all basically similar in having a dependency on fermentation. And when they have that dependency, they lose their growth control and they grow out of control and they'll continue to grow as long as they have the fermentable fuels needed for their proliferation.
0: Well, that's fascinating. So this glucose and glutamine, f- before I do that, what is organelle? What is that word you use?
1: organelle is the uh the like we have organs in our body yes sir liver kidney spleen and this kind of stuff uh but inside the cell we have organelles these are the organs inside the cell so you have the nucleus of the cell Mm -hmm. uh you have the mitochondrion of the cell Mm -hmm. you have golgi apparatus you have lysosomes you have uh ribosomes you have a lot of different things these are all the internal the internal guts of a typical cell Mm -hmm uh and that all becomes dysregulated dis- during the formation of the of the cancer so uh the cancer cells they have a nucleus they have mitochondria but they're they're doing something very very different than they would have if they were living in a in a normal situation
0: before we get to glucose and the glutamine let's go back on how do you know that 2.5 billion years ago there was no oxygen around I mean how do you know that
1: because there was uh, uh, the the oxygen didn't come into the atmosphere until um, these archaeobacteria started to to produce it. Oxygen was produced from living organisms. so the the ancient uh, atmosphere of the earth was pri- primarily gaseous. Um, in fact, there was no sunlight either. So uh, it was a very hus- it was a very inhospitable. Uh, environment and and the organelles uh, or the organisms that lived during that period have left fossil records. so people people can analyze you know what they were and what wow. kinds they were. and you didn't have to be there. Uh, any more than you had to be there during the dinosaur period to know that dinosaurs existed
0: once because of the fossils uh, there were no humans
1: around to do, to document it but <laughs> we know by the fossil record that they existed and we and we know the same thing about about the atmospheric conditions of the planet before anybody was alive to know to to record it all without and the internet yeah
0: it's interesting yeah. We, we knew that. so what was there? was there hydrogen around wasn't was that around hydrogen
1: yeah, I think hydrogen, nitrogen. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of these kinds of gases and things that were in
0: the environment. So is it possible that we humans evolved from this? These, this, all this stuff?
1: Well, we don't know anybody who didn't. So... Uh, we
0: had to come from it, right? If this was... Had
1: to come oh. from somewhere, right? <laughs> we, unless we came from some outer planet, they well, deposited on you know, it. There's always yeah, that, right? you know. I mean, there's always those kind of guys that sure, do that. Sure, sure. But... but uh, no everything is organic evolution and um inorganic uh evolutionary process and uh we're we're just uh, one of many uh organisms that uh, happen to inhabit our earth um and uh we're the first group that actually started to think about stuff uh i mean i don't i don't know (laughs) if other other of, of some of our uh, primate uh, guys they they might have some deep thoughts. The problem is they they can't articulate it in a, in yeah. a, in a way that we can
0: somehow so, we so, evolved figured out to know that we know and the whole yeah the whole you know, thing. basically yeah
1: but you know those are other issues. but in order to understand the, the, the cancer issue you, you have to understand the the concepts of evolutionary biology and uh, without that knowledge, there's no way in hell you're going to be able to figure this out so uh we've we we know that and we've been able to figure it out and we have we we now know how to manage the disease and, and we did all that based on our understanding of of biochemistry evolutionary biology so uh and that that's going to be uh and, you know that's going to be it once you know that then you know how to then you know how to manage
0: really so this fermentation thing is, is fascinating to me fermentation walk us through that and Help us to understand better what this whole fermentation idea
1: is. Yeah, well, that's basically uh, the synthesis of ATP, energy without oxygen. And um, so you can take a, a sugar molecule, uh, glucose, uh, and you can break it down through the 10-step 10, 10 Meyerhoff parns pathway uh, yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> well-known biochemical pathway in, <laughs> right. in bio, biochemistry. It's the, they call it the glycolysis pathway. Uh-huh. And, and what happens is the energy, like yeast cells, yeast cells can produce energy without oxygen. So yeast use that quite a bit. But they're a very sophisticated organism because they can do both fermentation and oxidative phosphorylation depending on the environmental condition. Uh, we can't do that. If we if we stop, if oxygen disappears for you and I, uh, we'll, we'll be dead in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't we don't have an alternative. Uh, however, if you if you have a heart attack, uh, you can't breathe. You start to see tremendous waste products build up in the bloodstream, and this is basically lactic acid right. and succinic acid. Okay, and succinic acid is another. Uh, 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 um, metabolite that is generated from the amino acid glutamine. So, uh, and that's the body's attempt to stay alive, uh, with the out, without oxygen for a short period of time. And what happens is when we don't have oxygen, the cells that need the oxygen the most, which are neurons in our brain, uh, they can only last for about four or five minutes without oxygen. And then they 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 die, and, and you and most people with a heart attack die from severe brain damage. It, it's the, the so because the heart the neurons can only survive a short period of time on fermentation, uh, which is the generation of energy without oxygen. However, other cells in our body, like kidney cells, liver cells, uh, colon, bladder, um, they they have a capacity to use. Fermentation longer than, say, neurons or cardiomyocytes, which are the 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 cells of the heart. Um, so and 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 how do we know they're using fermentation? Because they're generating ATP in the absence of oxygen. But we it's a very inefficient form of energy, and you begin to see uh, accumulation of waste products from this inefficiency of energy. And that waste product is lactic acid, and and succinic acid. And when you look at a cancer cell, they're they're blowing out those same uh, metabolites even in the presence of oxygen. So that clearly tells us what Otto Warburg knew a long time ago, mm. that cancer was a disease of energy metabolism and the waste products are the indicators uh, of that. So when you see those waste products, you know exactly what that cell is doing to try to stay alive. And the cancer cell, um, continues to use fermentation, even in the presence of oxygen. This should not happen. If if your mitochondria are healthy and oxygen comes back into the environment, cells stop fermenting and they return to oxidative phosphorylation. The cancer cell is locked into this fermentation metabolism because its mitochondria are structurally and functionally abnormal. And as the result of that, the cell loses its ability for growth regulation and begins to behave like those cells did 2.5 billion years ago. So so, uh, so, all that time ago is what we're seeing in a cancer cell. The cancer cells are simply reverting back to these ancient metabolic pathways driven by the fermentation metabolism, which is driven by two simple fuels, glucose and glutamine. So and they can't burn fatty acids. They can't burn so you know now how to how to uh, target and kill these cells quite quite efficiently. Problem is what I just told you is not known to 90% of the people in the oncology field and even fewer people in the in the lay. If actually lay people seem to understand it better than the than the guys working in the in the oncology clinics. I mean everything you that
0: you just said with all your research it's not even taught to the Oncology people worldwide, they view no. it a different way. What, what's the simple story of what, what they're taught?
1: They're taught that cancer is a genetic disease caused by mutations in genes.
0: But that's not true, so, in your opinion.
1: Uh, no, it's, it's, all, it's not true. As a matter of fact, what we saw was that the mutations, con- when those abnormal mitochondria are defective, they produce ROS. Uh, which are reactive oxygen species. Hmm. These RAS are carcinogenic and mutagenic. So they have the capacity to cause cancer and cause genetic mutations. So the genetic mutations are downstream epiphenomena of the damage to the oxidative phosphorylation system. So the entire field is studying downstream effects of the nature of the disease, and con- what are the consequences of this misunderstanding? One Over 1,600 people a day dying needlessly from cancer because the field thinks it's a disease other than what it is. It's not a genetic disease. Uh,
0: they, they think cancer is the symptom. Uh, symptom no. of, the, of, of what you described, what happens. Well, well, cancer is
1: dysregulated cell growth. Right. Where, where, where do but they're you get looking the dysregulated- at the
0: symptom of the dysregulated cell growth. Yes.
1: Yeah yeah they're they're looking at the at, at a downstream effect of the damage to oxidative oxidative phosphorylation so you have two theories that that un, that that describe this disease one is the somatic mutation theory which is taught in all the medical schools hmm. and in the pharmaceutical industry building drugs that based on the somatic mutation theory that the dysregulated cell growth is the result of somatic mutations. The National Cancer Institute on their website say cancer is a genetic disease. So they're funding billions of dollars in cancer research based on the somatic mutation theory of cancer. The alternative theory is the mitochondrial metabolic theory, which is the correct theory. And that says that the dysregulated cell growth is the result of uh, a, a shift from uh, uh, oxygen energy to fermentation energy. And what, listen, do you know you know cyanide, right? Cyanide is a cyanide, terrible, right? it, it kills you real quick. That's where they got the term, uh, did they drink the Kool-Aid, like the Jonestown where oh, everybody drank the Kool-Aid laced with cyanide, from... mm-hmm. right? And they're all dead in what, one minute? They're all, the whole 800 people are right. dead in, in one minute after they drink the cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. Okay? So if one were to have a tumor in their body and decided to drink cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, they would die within one minute. But the tumor cells are fine. They, they wouldn't be dead. The, the tumor cells don't need oxygen. They, they survive in the absence of oxygen. So there it is. Cyanide will kill instantly normal cells that use oxygen, but do not kill the tumor cell. Why? Because the tumor cell is fermenting. Fermentation mechanism does not need oxygen. Therefore, cyanide has no effect on a growing tumor cell. So, uh, so what are they using to grow? They're fermenting. What do they ferment? Glucose and glutamine. How do you manage the disease? You simultaneously target the glucose and glutamine while transitioning the body off to a fuel that only can be respired, not fermented, and that's ketone bodies. So we have this completely outlined. It works on people who can do it. Uh, Problem is no clinical trials are doing this. Think of the implications. If you did a clinical trial on a relatively simple approach to managing cancer and you found that it worked really well, and you didn't need chemo and radiation. Now, you tell me what the repercussions of something like that would be.
0: Well, they would put you on a plane and send you out to Greenland, so they never hear from you again. Well, I'm
1: here, (laughs) Uh, I'm sitting in an office at Boston College Biology Department.
0: Wow, I mean that's <laughs>
1: and the voice that's we amazing. have a and the voice is is based on on decades and decades of scientific research. For crying out loud, that people refuse doing that don't. Look I mean, at you it, all right? have the
0: chops. You have 150 peer-reviewed publications on all of this, and and the modern ecology world they don't read it or care or look at it or
1: no There's a term we call dogma dogma is a very powerful effect on the human brain oh man god it's like a religion i mean how many jews are going to convert to islam it's not going to happen vice versa you know it's because your brain is is really driven into a dogmatic viewpoint of the world and uh when you have somatic mutation theory indoctrinating generations of physicians and scientists they don't know anything else and they're not taught anything else and they don't hear about anything else and then when you tell them about it i I can't believe that they say i can't be can't be true (laughs) so what are you going to do right
0: and they build these huge (laughs) buildings monuments to this theory right i mean cancer centers the world wide
1: Oh yeah. MD Anderson, you got your MD Anderson down there in Houston. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go down there, you got the angel of death visiting you when you walk into the door, you know, uh, (laughs) it's, it's just, uh, it's the same everywhere. Sloan Kettering, Dana Farber, MD Anderson. They're all doing the same, the same thing everywhere. They're using radio and they're using immunotherapies. There's CAR T immunotherapy, PDL one, it's all based on the somatic mutation theory of cancer. And if the theory is wrong, then what's the probability of getting a real big breakthrough in cancer management? Zero. And that's what we're seeing. We're not getting any major breaks in cancer.
0: Wow. So uh, before the break, we got to do a little break, but th- just walk us through the somatic, what would you call it, the somatic?
1: Yeah, somatic mutation, mutation theory of,
0: theory of cancer, yeah, which is the, what runs the, the whole show here in yeah, modern medicine, that's running, right?
1: that's running the whole and, show. And
0: talk us. Talk to us like we're a young child or our golden retriever, Doc, and tell us what that is, that somatic mutation theory.
1: Yeah, that cancer is due to random genetic mutations in the nucleus that lead to dysregulated cell growth, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the, so don't forget, you always have to go back to what the disease is. The disease is dysregulated cell growth. And there are two competing theories that can explain how cells become dysregulated, one is the genetic theory, which is somatic mutations lead to dysregulated cell growth. And the other is that uh, dysregulated energy metabolism, that the, the cell, uh, uh, the mitochondrial metabolic theory is the second theory. The mitochondrial metabolic theory.
0: The, mito, the which is your, your, yes. your work.
1: And Otto Warburg, uh, who originally Warburg. described this.
0: So Warburg was on this years ago, how long ago? A long time ago,
1: right? A hundred years ago, in the 1920s, uh, he came out with his concepts. His papers go back to 1923, so a hundred years ago. He, was, he already defined the nature of cancer hundred years ago, I, except he got off track uh, a little bit. And he also, uh, there's a story for why we, we brought the field back on track and we've corrected where he's gone off track. So um, we polished up his original ideas and solidified his original concept with uh, much greater evidence than than he had.
0: Mm-hmm. And there were forces back then that pushed against his theory on cancer, his, his uh, work. No, no? Uh,
1: not really. It, it pushed his when Watson and Crick uh, discovery of, of 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 the genetic material DNA. Uh, the fear, and they found genetic mutations in DNA in cancer. Then the field, like a bunch of lemmings, ran off the cliff chasing genes, and they're still chasing genes. Um, So it was probably in the 1950s uh, that the cancer field went away from metabolism to uh, uh, genetic defects, the the somatic mutation theory.
0: I see. Interesting. Uh, Doc, stay right there, okay? We wanted to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Dr. uh, Thomas Seafried and his... uh, We have his email there. You can also check out TomSeafree.com. They got some information, his bio, and all kinds of of things like that. Wow, pretty fascinating, eh? One of the things we like to do a lot is to keep everything moving with good water, uh, exercise. Mm, We like the X3, build some little muscles, and also to um, detoxify the body. Uh, Sweating has been used forever and ever. It goes way, way back, uh, uh, way back. And uh, we have the Relaxed Far Infrared Sauna. We think it's really probably the premier sauna out there for the money and uh, how it works. And you can simply um, set it up in probably 15 minutes. But it's a far infrared. It's made in a medical university in Taiwan that's won several awards on the technology. And you will sweat and you have the far infrared you kind of dig deep in there and we've seen studies where you can actually take a a chelator type thing and do your urine before the sauna and you get so many whatever arsenic or lead or whatever in the urine you do the sauna and you get more out of the urine after the sauna so we know that there are benefits in detoxification through kidneys bladder and i don't know about colon i don't think they've ever done that but you got to believe that it's going through there too, and then the sweating. Then the skin is the largest organ, so it's a it's a pretty cool way to keep going. I do. I'm in mine every day of my life for the last ten years. It's helped me tremendously to to snap to, to uh, stay uh, snappy and happy. And I think you'll like it. We have the best price ever. And here's a little bit on it. And I'll tell you how you can buy this guy. Recently, we talked with Dr. David Minkoff, MD, about his patients and toxins.
2: We test them for environmental toxins. And we look at their teeth. And we look at their diet. And we do a look at their gut. And and they're loaded. It is a radical 360 assault on our bodies, what we're living in today in terms of our environment. It's remarkable what you find on people, like how much stuff they've accumulated. You know, they need to get in the sauna uh, three or four times a week, and they need to filter. The, the water systems in the United States are full of environmental toxins.
0: I know when we talked to Dr. Rawi, he was a big fan of these far-infrared saunas and getting the sweat out, and he used to test the sweat and everything. Do you do that, a far-infrared, and then you, what kind of saunas do you
2: do? I have them get, there's some, pretty economical, really good portable saunas that people can get. And I think it's it's like mandatory, if you're living on planet Earth now, you better get in a sauna three times a week for half an hour and really sweat because you're you, no matter how careful you are, you're getting full of stuff that you don't want in your body that are toxic and carcinogenic.
0: Yes, we've been promoting and using for years, uh, 10 years now, the Far infrared sauna. It's a portable uh, about a thousand, They're really nice units, boy. They they get hot, and boy, you sweat, and it's it's great. Great unit, yeah. Oh, you've seen those, yeah. Yes, they are great units. They're relaxed. Sorry, Patrick, I'm gonna interrupt because the price is a little bit different from there. But you can get one one thousand two hundred and ninety five dollars delivered to uh, the lower forty eight for those of you in Petaluma. That does not include Alaska or Hawaii, but uh, uh, the lower forty eight. We're going to be shipping one to British Columbia tomorrow. So we ship them all over the world. Just tell me where you live. 1295 That's lower 48 uh, to Canada. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. We ship up there for about 200 bucks extra. So it's it's the real deal. The Relax Bar Infrared Sauna. The only way to get it is to uh, email me. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com One of our sponsors that we've been around and, and you know, and talked about for years is uh, th- Sir Thrival. Uh, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and you can get a couple of really good things: uh, Taboo and also vitamin D. Vitamin D has actually been shown to really support uh, the growth of hormones and things like that to make everything south of the border work better. So, two products on sale for Valentine's Day. Love15 is the promo code. It's going to end uh, on Wednesday, I believe. I love 15, uh, so sort of Thrival 15% off. And just a quick little plug here for these. Uh, these are some of the best uh, air purifiers that we've ever come across. Uh, it's called the Air Doctor, and it's, it's like very intuitive. If you're cooking up bacon or something and there's smoke, well, then all of a sudden it just speeds up the, uh, the, the fan, and it knows it gets the smoke out, and then it goes back to normal. It's very intuitive. Looks like rt d oh not too much bigger than a than a, a tower computer. It's on sale. Big pri- big sales right now. It's right on the website, oneradionetwork.com. Right on the website. Go on there and see what the price is that they're offering you. I think, I think you'd like having one of these around your home because this stuff comes in. You know, you know how it works. Yeah, I know. If I press the bright button, I think this is going to work. There you go. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. I'm talking with Dr. Thomas Seafried who's working on With Cancer for a long, long time. Well, you have painted a picture that's really curious. So, can you gauge the difference in effects on the body of the things we talked about, toxins, you know, Whatever electromagnetic fields, whether it be toxins, uh, uh, bad oil, you know, these kind of things, and then the food. To can you kind of give us a gauge of what you think? Um, the, how these weigh in making cells go rogue?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, um, cancer was extremely rare in uh, our ancestors, okay? Um, in fact, even in, even in what do they call it, aboriginal tribes that still uh-huh. practice or exist in the same kind of situation that they had for eons, cancer was extremely rare. Eskimos, uh, when they were first uh, evaluated, uh, Inuits uh, had very rare cases of cancer. The, the great humanitarian physician, Albert Schweitzer, remarked about the rarity of cancer in in African tribes that lived according to their traditional ways. And um, uh, there's never been a documented case of breast cancer in our closest uh, primate relative, the chimpanzee. Um, Cancer is extremely rare in chimps. Uh, They're 98% similar to us in gene and protein sequence, but cancer is extremely rare. They, they live on the same diet and lifestyle somewhat, whether they're in the jungle or in the zoo. They're under constant monitoring by veterinarians. So so, what's going on with the rest of us? Why, why are we all exploding uh, with cancer? And it's definitely diet and lifestyle issues. There's no, there's no question about it. Our food industry, we have a massive amount of hyper-processed foods, uh, minimal exercise, uh, exposure to the chemicals in the environment and uh, you put all you put all that together and you put yourself at risk not only for cancer but also for type 2 diabetes. As, actually diabetes has replaced smoking as the number one is that right uh, form of cancer, right? So I mean all of this cardiovascular disease, dementia, uh, all this stuff is all related to poor diet and lifestyle. So um, it's the pr- it's the price we must pay for being, having a convenience of foods and the industrialization of our societies. So uh, so it's not a mystery here. I mean, any, anybody with two functional brain
0: cells should understand that.
1: You know. Uh, so what do you include
0: it, in lifestyle? What, what would you include in lifestyle? The, well, the bullet points I think, of lifestyle.
1: Yeah, well, how was our lifestyle uh, during the Paleolithic period? I mean, you wanted something to eat, you had to run, run after something and kill it. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it's a lot of energy involved with this. Let's be honest. Uh, We've, uh, humans evolved to starve. Uh, We have an enormous capacity to store energy because food was not available during the ice ages and things, famines and droughts and all kinds of stuff. So uh, uh, we have a genetic makeup supremely designed for energy storage because the energy storage allowed us to survive under these extremely harsh conditions. So now those same genes, that our physiology placed in an abnormal environment where massive amounts of high carbohydrate energy foods, poorly nutritious, causes us to be obese. We have an obesity epidemic. This is not surprising. The genes that we evolved to keep us alive are now doing the same thing, but in, in a different kind of an environment that's now killing us. So, uh, uh, But you should know that. So uh, people should know that obesity is the result of our survival on the planet. Um, uh, we don't exercise nearly as much. We're under all kinds of, of stress uh, with immobility. Uh, we're, we're, you put it all together, and, and uh, we're certainly not doing what we did uh, a, a couple of hundred thousand years ago. Don't forget, we existed as a species for two and a half million Years and now all of a, all of a sudden we're, we're thrown into this uh, uh, recent environment within the last 100 years, I would say even the last 50 mm-hmm. years, yeah. because the explosion, high, high fructose corn syrup, uh, all this kind of crap in the foods, and then you're everyone, oh, how did I get cancer? Well, man, it's quite clear how you got cancer. How did I get cardiovascular disease, dementia, and all these other things?
0: So these two, these two substances you mentioned, Dr. Seafree, glucose and glutamine, Right. Yeah. These are the guys that feed these cancer cells that are doing the whole fermentation dance, and that's right. They're going rogue, right? And they just yes. and they build and and so if you and where do we get glucose and glutamine in our diet?
1: Well, glucose is predominantly it's sugar, just right? Sugar. Sugar's everywhere. Yeah, it's half fructose, half glucose. So, and our bodies are designed to make glucose under extreme conditions called gluconeogenesis. So we can break down fats and proteins and body can make glucose, but it's not an essential metabolite in the diet. We don't need to, we don't need, we can make glucose from other sources. Uh, uh, We can break down. So yeah, you eat a piece of bread, potato, rice, pasta. I mean, this is loaded with carbohydrates that are all broken down, much of them broken down to, to glucose. And protein, the amino acid, glutamine, uh, is also a non-essential amino acid, but it comes in our diet through plants and animals, animal products. So we can break that down. Uh, we, it's an amino acid. So as you break down proteins, you free up glutamine. Glutamine is the most abundant amino acid in our body. It, it, it's needed for the immune system. So if a person is burned, uh, their skin is open now to bacterial infection, high dose glutamine infusions are necessary to to allow our immune system to be strong, to fight the microbes that are trying to kill us. So uh, our very immune system is a big consumer uh, of this uh, amino acid called glutamine, and it's very high in our bloodstream, and uh, it's also used by cancer cells. So that you, you have to know how to, how to uh, target glutamine strategically so you don't harm the very immune cells needed to get rid of the cancer. So again, it's a, it's a balancing act. But once you, once, you know, once you know the factors, it's, you can strategize a plan to, to, to do this. So yeah, the two fermentable fuels are glucose and glutamine. They come from the diet that we eat. Uh, we don't need glucose. Glucose is a, non, a non-essential amino uh, food, a, a, a metabolite. But uh, a glutamine uh, is needed for so many different parts of our body, like the urea cycle and as the gut. The gut is he- heavily dependent on glutamine uh, for our gut health and uh, uh, the immune system. So when we target glutamine for cancer, we have to be delicate. We we have to know mm. what to do and how to do it. Otherwise, you're going to end up harming the patient.
0: So, can people do this at home if they understand how it works and if they have? They
1: can do some. They can do some of it, but mm. not all of it. Mm. So, uh, because, but I have to be honest uh, uh, with you, Patrick. There are shockingly a number of people that are doing really, really well uh, uh, with with these ketogenic diets that we developed uh, lowering the blood sugar. We developed the uh, glucose ketone index calculator uh, where you can measure it with a finger prick. what's like your a ketones? Diabetic would. Yeah, with your teeth. Yeah. yeah, you can measure your ketones and blood sugar. And when you get your blood sugar down and your ketones elevated, uh, the t- cancer cells get hammered. Um, Is that now, right? Uh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. They can't survive because, uh, well, the, first of all, they've got too many Genetic mutations uh, that prevent them from making the metabolic flexibility needed. This is another thing that kills me. They're, tr- they're trying to target all these mutations with these sophisticated drugs, right. And the very mutations are allowing the- preventing the tumor cell from making adaptation to the to metabolic therapy. So why do you want to target something that you? Now wait a minute, can- Let-
0: repeat what you just said. So, you know, these different targeted uh, chemo people go in, do IVs or whatever they do. Yeah, 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 w- what yeah. is happening?
1: Well, first of all, the, uh, you think the cancer is a genetic disease, so you're trying to target a genetic, the product of a genetic mutation or something like this.
0: Which is an error, but, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. And, and then um, you, the cancer cell does have a lot of mutations. Nobody denies that, except, as I said, they're all downstream. Uh, epiphenomena they accumulate in these tumor cells but when you now put the body under um, uh, physiological stress uh, uh, nutritional stress like water only fasting mm-hmm. uh, restricted ketogenic diets the cells and every cell in our body earned the right to be in this body because it survived eons eons and eons of stress so our organs and our tissues all work together in a view in a beautiful uh, unified whole and then you get these cells cancer cells that are all full of mutations and things they can't make those adaptations the mutations collected in there prevent them from the meta, the flexibility so when you start lowering sugar and elevating ketones these tumor cells can't make these adaptations and they up and die so uh, hmm. uh, and they die in a, in a in a graded way you don't kill them all at the same time so uh, um so what uh, so what i'm saying is that you simply uh, uh, produce an environment that's very stressful for the tumor cell but it's actually se- therapeutically use- uh, helpful for our normal cells. They begin to burn the ketones. We, as a species, existed most of our existence on the planet was in a state of ketosis, mainly because we had no carbohydrates to eat. We didn't <laughs> we had we to couldn't be in go ketosis. down to a McDonald's. That's all we couldn't ate, get a, right? a jelly-filled donut at a McDonald's uh, or mm-hmm. a, a Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no hamburgers, no I mean, bread and pasta. We didn't have any of that That was all created. So our bodies evolved in a semi-starved state, in a ketotic state where glucose was low and, and ketones were elevated. So when we go back to that same state, cancer cells can't handle it. And <laughs> um, But we use specific drugs to target the glutamine just to make the process a little bit faster so and a little bit more efficient. I see. So, <laughs> so when we bring the patient first into a state of therapeutic ketosis, then, then, we, we use very low doses of drugs that target the glutamine availability. And we do it very strategically. It has to be done, and I published this big framework, the Press Pulse Therapy for Managing Cancer. We use diets and stress reduction to uh, press down the ability of the tumor cell to uh, adapt. And then we use low-dose drugs to come in and finish the, the survivors off. And um, it, it's a beautiful strategy. It, unfortunately, most it's not trained in medical schools to know how to use this, so uh, it's a new tool based on the mitochondrial metabolic theory to eliminate cancer cells very, very non-toxically uh, and, and efficiently. So and uh, the body comes out of the treatment healthier than when you started. Really? You, so you don't you have get, your hair falling out and all this crazy yes, stuff. You get
0: the people, the patients uh, in a ketogenic state, high ketones. Yeah. And talk, yeah, talk to us how you do that. What kind of foods do they eat?
1: Well, the first, first thing you do, I think actually one of your commercials, many of these cancer patients are have a lot of toxicity, heavy metals, mm-hmm. parasites, all kinds of stuff. You, you got to clean the body up a little bit uh, first, and, and then we go into a calorie-restricted zero-carbohydrate diet. Zero. So you can eat, eat 0, zero carbs. Zero, carb, yeah. zero for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're writing the protocol right now uh, for publication, and- uh, uh, the body—it's hard to go cold turkey uh, on, on food. Uh, you say, "Well, today I'm eating a big meal." Uh, for the next week, I'm not going to eat anything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let me see how you try try that and see how you like it. Right. Not easy. So, uh, but if you go zero carb, the body then slowly adapts. Uh, I'm not getting a, a donut. I'm not getting a piece of cake. I'm, I'm not getting a candy bar. I, I'm just I'm just eating fish. Uh, I'm, I'm eating a little plants, maybe a few vegetables. I'm eating some meat. Um, and I'm just doing this. I'm not pasta, no bread, no, none of this kind of stuff. And then the body slowly goes down. And then when you jump to water only fasting, uh, it's not so dramatic. Uh, but if you jump to water only fasting at the beginning, then that's tough. So uh, what we do is we, we go. Mm-hmm yeah, yeah. We, we go from we, we grade it we grade the body into zero carb down to water only fasting. and then you get your blood sugar down, your ketones up with the keto mojo or any of these meters that you can buy from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in 2.0 or below, that's when we hit you with the uh, parasite drugs. It's unbelievable. These cancer cells can't can't adjust to these uh, very well-known cheap, uh, convenient repurposed drugs. That just do a job on cannellines, and you do low doses without toxicity, and that's and that works, man. I'll tell you, it's unbelievable. So this would um, be
0: like the ivermectin is a, a anti-parasite drug.
1: Yeah, well, ivermectin is an anti-parasite. Mm-hmm. It has it has uh, a documented cancer, uh, but none of this stuff will work unless the body is in ketosis. So you gotta br- you bring your body first into ketosis, and then you have a, a whole array of different drugs and procedures. That then can go after and kill these, uh, knock off these tumor cells that are already
0: fragile. So what's happening when the body's in ketosis? That's from mainly animal foods and fat, no carbs, right? Yeah. So so what is a ketone, and how does it work?
1: Ketone. Okay. So when we when we don't have food, uh, we store energy, and we store energy in the form of glycogen in the liver, uh, predominantly, which are long chains of sugar molecules. Uh, which can last us about 36 hours after we stop eating. So we're getting our glucose. The brain is a glucose hog, hmm. so we need a lot of glucose for the brain. But the brain evolved to burn ketone bodies. Ketone bodies are, they come from fatty acids, so we store fat, we have fat in our body. We have, you know, today we have more than enough fat. Most people most people will have no problem getting into ketosis today. So uh, um, because we're gonna mobilize the fats out of the adipose tissue, Uh, The fats, long chains of carbons go into the liver. The liver takes that as a wood chipper, like a branch in a wood chipper, and you chop up the long chain fatty acids into these small uh, water soluble breakdown fat products, and they can replace glucose as an energy fuel. So the tumor cell can't use that. The normal cells in the body evolve to burn ketones. The tumor cell can't burn the ketones, (laughs) so they become at a total competitive disadvantage. And then you use the drugs to hit the glutamine that the tumor cell now rapaciously tries to grab, and you just just target that. you, You target the two fuels while transitioning the body over to ketosis, and you get great management of cancer. Is it easy? No. Does it require personal discipline? Yes. All right. So you're asked to ask the patient. Now, some people tell me oh, I don't want to do any of that. Well, I said, "Well, go get the radiation and chemo." Sure. I mean, that's certainly there. But that's always available. It's always available. Right. Right.
0: Right. So, so this glutamine is a little rascal. Where is it part and parcel of doing uh, meat and butter and eggs and fat? Uh, well, is it if in you there? So that's why you got to target it because the tumor yeah, can yeah, live on it.
1: A little. Bit. There's no diet. There's no diet that will low, lower glutamine. Okay. Uh, so you have to have drugs, but you have to know how to wield the drugs. It's it's not it's you got to know the biology of the problem you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And if you understand the biology, you'll know how to wield. That's why we use the press pulse. The pulse is the pulsing of the drugs that will target the glutamine. It's not a constant press on glutamine because mm-hmm. if you put if you try to do too much drug on glutamine, you're hurting your gut. Uh, you're hurting your urea cycle. You're hurting your immune system. So uh, you just have to know that. And, and it's not terribly difficult. I mean, we, we tell people how to do this. We use small doses of certain drugs, uh, sick, these glutamine um, mimicking drugs that were known. Uh, they're not approved by the Food and Drug Administration, but they were used on people in the past. So you could easily reapprove them, but they don't do that um i don't know why they would not do that they will approve a cart t three hundred thousand dollar rube goldberg (laughs) type of a treatment but they won't approve a repurposed drug uh which makes no sense to me uh so i think the the people themselves have to make the demand it's not going to come from md MD anderson sure it's not going to come from sloan kettering it's got to come from the people themselves when the people understand what they can do to manage cancer that's not going to be too costly and not toxic they should want that and the if the if the if the if, the, if they can't do it if, if the medical can't do it then they got to change the people must make the change it's not going to come from the top medical schools they just have to know the biology they have to know a little bit of biology most of its common sense so uh, and it works in the scientific evidence that i've been accumulating i do the research so i know that i know what works and what doesn't work so uh, i mean this is it is it's got to be a transformation unless people want to continue to die and suffer from cancer I mean I, can, I mean if that's what they want then I don't think that's what most people want
0: and even the, the chemos all the different types and the target and all they're doing now' it's very hard on the patient right they very hard yeah. it's terrible 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 why, are you, why the question
1: is why are you doing that why you're are you doing, doing that because you because you're profoundly ignorant of the biology of the disease you're dealing with and you have a very comfortable lifestyle it's very comfortable uh, this is a business. Uh, it's a, it's a, Big business. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a disease with, that has a very strong business thing. So, you know, if you want to make, what is, what's the really important thing here? It's the patient, right? Shouldn't we be focusing on the patient rather than, than on revenue generation? So so I, I think, but that's not the way the world works today. I understand. The world does not work that but way. But if
0: they have some kind of chemo that the patient can live through and does kill the tumor, does that model have any good effects at all?
1: Well, I think so. I mean, we have millions of so-called cancer survivors right. that have survived this, right? So we want to say, well, people say, well, we have, I've survived, I've survived. But many, many, about 80% of the people that do survive pay a significant health be- a price for that. Yes. They're, they're often afflicted with uh, emotional, uh, psychiatric problems, digestive problems, hormonal problems, gut, microbiome, gut problems. I mean, your, your life, your life has been significantly impacted. I don't know anyone who goes and gets toxic chemicals or radiation just to say, to feel good about it. You know, it's, it's not the kind of thing that people only do, only do f- for the fact that they have a, a disease where they said, this is the only thing you can do. Yeah, that not tell patients that there is an alternative to radiation and chemo and immunotherapies is partially irresponsible. Uh, on my part or on the on the seals yes. part yeah. and it's then of course when you get in
0: there and they start cutting things out too that, that's so tragic I mean and that's what they yeah. do they think it's bad so they cut it out
1: right yeah surgical mutilation uh, um, uh, poisoning radiation surgical mutilation I mean this is stone age kind of sh- stuff uh, you know you, you don't do that if you understand the biology of the, uh, of the disease a lot of those things that they're chopping out we can shrink them down and hmm. and uh make them very less angry and then the surgeon can come in and take a small tiny piece of the tissue without having to remove a breast a colon uh, a liver uh a bladder or whatever else they're cutting out of people lungs um so uh there's a lot of alternative uh, approaches that could be done uh if there was uh motivation to do it
0: yeah dr uh thomas Seafried is with us patrick timponi one radio network dot com this is Totally. So, what if uh, people listening now around the world—we have a lot of listeners everywhere—and they've got this diagnosis, some kind of cancer. What if they would just do a carnivore type keto, get off of the carbs, and call it a day? Could could they do okay with that? Just rock and roll, without getting deep into well, the to the weeds with the you know the glutamine drugs that you all do in your work?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think that some people have done that. Our yes, they our, have. Yeah. Our patient, uh, Our um, uh, Pablo Kelly from, from Devon, England, he got the brain cancer and diagnosed six months or nine months to live. And he went cold. Ter- he just, uh, said, I'm not doing any of that uh, radiation or chemo or anything. And they told him he would be dead in a short period of time. And, um, he went on a kind of a carnivore type of diet. Um, As a matter of fact, almost any diet that will lower the blood glucose ketone, we published the glucose ketone index. Hmm. He got his GKI down. So, and I have five years of publication, five years of him uh, with a a, a ledger book in his house recording his blood sugar and ketones with the meter. And uh, I took all that five years and my students and I put it together in a huge table and and we published it along with his (laughs) survival. He was supposed to be dead years ago and he's still alive, eight and a half years out. And uh, he what's, follows this. What's GKI?
0: Kind of, what's GKI? The,
1: the Glucose Ketone Index. Oh, that's that. You get that
0: meter and, and
1: Yeah. Tech. You can buy the meter from Amazon, Keto Mojo. Okay. And you can buy the little pair of, uh, sticks, the glucose ketone sticks. And the patients now, I built that thing, my my students and I built it for uh, cancer patients, brain cancer specifically, because huh. they don't have anything for that. But now all these healthy young people these healthy people, they all want to go out and see how low they can get their GKI. They don't have any cancer at all. They just want to show everybody how healthy they can become. So uh, I didn't make it for that, Uh, for young, healthy people. uh, All these girls and guys so buff and how tough they are and all this. But it was made for cancer patients. They bring them into a zone to kill cancer cells. Uh, At the same time, they will get healthier. That's true. Uh, But I don't think their focus is on you know how how big their muscles can be, but how the hell am I going to get rid of the tumor in my brain? Exactly. So that's what.
0: So, if you, that's what so they, you invented the keto mojo thing?
1: No, I didn't invent keto oh. mojo. I, I invent we we invented the, the the glucose ketone index calculator. Okay, but then and you can't patent. The interesting thing is you can't patent that. You don't patent formulas. So I just threw it out there, published it. And, and, and the field now is jumping all over this thing. You know, uh, how am I going to get my GKI? Because everybody gets super healthy when you get your GKI down about 2.0 or below. Uh, now, it's not easy. I'm not saying here, oh, it's going to be a, a cakewalk. You got to give up carbs. Uh, and you do <laughs> exercise. You got to have exercise. And you got to do all the things you should have been doing <laughs> so you so didn't get cancer this, in the first place.
0: This, uh, these, um, the keto monitors, They're you're not measuring your, K- ketone level? You're measuring your GKI?
1: No, you measure both. both. Okay. In, what it is is the ratio of the blood glucose to the blood ketones. So you need to measure your blood sugar first or hmm. together and your blood ketones. And then it's a, a calculation that we published, the calculation that allows you to divide the sugar by the ketones. Hmm. You have to convert uh, sugar from um, um, milligrams per deciliter into millimolar because the ketones come out in a millimolar reading. So that made a mo- the mojo was they put a little chip in there. They do so that? you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to do the calculation yourself. The meter will do it for you.
0: <laughs> That's pretty fast. So people, so so why do the bodybuilders? If you get your little GKI on a certain thing, does it help build muscles? Muscles?
1: Well, it it, it you get super healthy when you burn ketones. Okay. So uh, um, and also ketones spare muscle. So this is another thing too. Mm. So you can uh my colleague jeff Volick at the ohio state university he has worked on uh, on these extreme athletes using uh, uh ketosis these guys that run run through a hot desert mm-hmm. for 100 miles and and climb mountains and do all these extreme you know uh, they make a marathon look like a cakewalk compared to what those guys do they're they're mostly in extreme ketosis so the ketone body itself is as a fuel that it makes the mitochondria super healthy hmm. And they can get more uh, uh, energy power out of a mitochondria by burning ketones than by burning sugar or even fatty acids. So it's a super fuel, as my late colleague uh, Bud Veach at NIH and George Cahill from the Joslin Diabetes Center, they describe ketones as the super fuel. Hmm. So you get that by uh, uh, water fasting, low-carb ketogenic diets, and things like this. But the cancer cells get hammered. (laughs) <laughs> they, they can't, they can't handle any of this stuff. So they up and die and, uh, your body gets super healthy and feeds upon the, d- the, the debris of the cancer cell is consumed by the normal cells of the body. It's unbelievable.
0: So it's, the it, tumors actually shrink. They just, they shrink down. Oh,
1: Of course they shrink down. The wow. body uses them as a fuel. Wow. They're going after the tumor cells because they can't, they're not contributing anything to the to the society of cells uh you know it's just when you understand biology Hmm. and you understand how the body works all this becomes complete sense it's all documented uh sitting somebody down and and poisoning and radiating them so their hair falls out their gums are bleeding and they surgically this is nonsense this is stone age mentality (laughs) at its highest so um you know, and they built a giant industry around all that crazy stuff. It's huge, isn't and it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a monster industry, as you said. What trillions? I don't know how many billions. Oh, I, of dollars.
0: I, I think it's easily half a trillion. Yeah. You know, just, so, just
1: so what are you going to do? Back of the envelope. You're going to stay the course, or you're going to, or you're going to change the paradigm? That, that's the question people have to ask themselves, and they're not being told. That's the key, the killer. I, I I don't mind. Okay. Let the patient make a choice. If the patient wants radiation and chemo and surgical mutilation, they can have it. But at least they should be able to tell the patient, you know, there's metabolic therapy out there. And if you have motivation and willpower, you might want to consider that. Sure, sure. What's wrong with
0: that? But but as you know, most of the docs, they're still giving people statins for a high cholesterol level, which you need if you're going to eat meat and butter and fat and eggs and the good stuff. I mean, you're going to have a high cholesterol, level.
1: Yeah, but we need cholesterol. Of cholesterol is an essential metabolite. Why, why are you trying to block it? It's well, only But the, the whole
0: medical just, world is trying, to, is trying to lower it. You know, that's what well, they they're do. They're
1: misinformed. They're misinformed. Uh, David uh, uh, Diamond had a beautiful article about the absurdity of the statins yeah. and the cholesterol myth. But nobody wants to hear it. They don't want to hear uh, it. You know, it's, uh, people have to be educated. People need to know. Let them make the decision. Why should they be told... To what to do something by a person who is clueless about the very biology of what they're telling the people I mean this is the problem right now yes. I mean in medicine has made the greatest advances in my in my understanding in uh, orthopedics, you know hip replacements, knee replacements, mm. uh, heart valve things you know they made major advances, but when it comes to cancer and, and some of these other things they're still in the stone age
0: Here's an email for you from Andrea, given what Dr. Seafried said about glutamine, does he have any views on using certain elements for sepsis for example people like Dr. Levy was on Patrick's show recommended high dose vitamin C, vitamin B1 and cortisol to treat uh, sepsis. Not just cancer but it seems as though my life threatening syndrome that we think of as life in ending seems to be potentially respond well um, to giving the body
1: Yeah well sepsis is a different uh, situation altogether it's it's a bacterial staph strep out of control in the body it's an acute situation you you have to uh, use acute treatments to deal with an acute situation cancer is not an acute situation in most cases so um cortisol is not recommended for cancer because it raises blood sugar but for sepsis it might be okay i mean you need to target sepsis as quick otherwise it'll kill you hmm. You well, know, I had it twice, so I, I know how, how bad it can be. How did you touch I had to, I had to tell the doctor to, to give me IV antibiotic. He, he was going he thought it was a hematoma. You know, you, you, you got to uh, hopefully most people, if you know what you have, you can tell the doctor what, you, what, you need, what he needs to do. <laughs> uh, if you rely on him to tell you what you have, you could put your life in,
0: your Here's life a in black jeopardy. hole there. Here's an email for you. Is a plant-based diet healthier than a meat-centered diet? For cancer prevention.
1: Oh, cancer prevention. Uh, well, listen. As long as you can keep your mitochondria healthy, the likelihood of getting cancer is is um, is minimal. So, so whether you eat plants, you know, I don't know. Uh, we, we evolved as omnivores. We're supposed to eat everything. As a matter of fact, we evolved to eat more meat than plants. Um, so you have to you have to put it in that respect. But again. What 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 does it do for your glucose ketone index? You know, I always I always look at that.
0: So I I don't think you would have a good. I just my opinion from the cheap seats. Just eating plants, you wouldn't have a good uh, GCI, a good GKI. GKI, GKI. glucose you ketone wouldn't. index.
1: Yeah, well, if you eat uh, one, one, uh, one asparagus a piece of asparagus stalk and one le- lettuce leaf a day, you're going to have a good G- GKI, no question about it. <laughs>
0: oh, you would. Okay, so.
1: Huh. Yeah. Well, one, one, okay. one stick of aspa- uh, asparagus and one lettuce leaf. All right, you eat that. That's your meal for the day. You're going to have a very beautiful. Oh, TKI. I see. But what if you just <laughs> ate
0: plants all day long and vegetables?
1: Yeah, all we didn't evolve to eat plants. You know, uh, we we can eat plants, uh, but you have to have a very long digestive tract. See the difference between the gorilla and the chimp. The gorilla evolved to eat plants only, so it's not a it's not a, a carnivore. And they have these giant guts, okay? The giant gut on a gorilla is because he needs longer intestinal tract to get the nutrients out of the plant. Hmm. The chimp and us, we evolved as omnivores, so we don't have that big that big gut. So it's it's not healthy for us to just eat plants only. It might not be healthy uh, for us to just eat meat all day long. You know, it, it's a, a balanced diet, what they call it? a balanced diet with low carbohydrates, right? I mean, how hard is that? I mean, how <laughs> is that? <laughs>
0: How hard is that?
1: Not, not, not at all.
0: Here's an email for you. I've been working with a naturopathic doc. I never, ever want to go into surgery, chemo. I am concerned about what will happen to the lump left on its own. She has, this lady obviously has a lump. Uh, Will it dissolve or dissipate? My blood work is great and I'm fasting. Just finished six months of food-grade hydrogen peroxide. Um, I would like... uh, to get your guest's opinion on this?
1: Well, I don't know, I mean, did, you have to, did she measure her glucose ketone index? No. Um, well, I mean, then you can't make a statement about all the stuff you eat. No, unless you have that number and you're looking at the number on a daily basis, you really can't make, I can't make any statements about that. Okay. That's why we use the GKI.
0: Does Dr. Seyfried, uh believe there has been an international conspiracy, particularly in the 1900s, to keep people sick? For example, the restriction on the knowledge of treating, keeping parasites in check as some people used to do.
1: No, that's all bullshit. You know, the people aren't, there's no design to keep people sick. Uh, The design is the ignorance and knowing how the body works. So uh, it's a lack of knowledge. It's not a conspiracy. Uh,
0: That's absurd. They just get dogmatic and it becomes a religion and and they're they're not bad people. They just don't know any better.
1: Yeah, it's a lack of knowledge. Bottom bottom line, there's no there's no conspiracy to to, to do any of this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, does Doctor Siefried have an opinion? And he's able to share of what COVID really is.
1: Well, I don't know how that re- relates to anything that I'm talking about. Okay. It's a vi- it's a virus, right?
0: I mean, it, I mean, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah I mean, can can Doctor Seafried comment on what? the AIDS epidemic was about? See, my listeners are all over the place, sorry. I mean, if- Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, well, well um, y- y- you know, uh, the AIDS epidemic. Now, the, in- the interesting thing about the AIDS epidemic <clears throat> is that when it first, um, the virus first was recognized, uh, you know, it was mostly affecting the gay community right and they're a very they're a very powerful uh organization um they they all have a very uh similar viewpoint on things the aids was killing people when you when aids virus infected the, the person um hiv virus uh, it was almost a death sentence uh for people that had that and then all of a sudden within a few years uh death from aids became Uh, uncommon so what happened why why did that happen so fast because the gay community got together marched on Washington threw ashes of their loved ones on the White House lawn stopped traffic on Pennsylvania Avenue and Ronald Reagan said fix the problem period and within a couple of uh, years everything was fixed we're not doing that with the cancer Uh, we could do the exact same thing with cancer if people marched on Washington and said, fix the problem. Uh, it's, it has to come from the gra- grassroots itself. It's not going to come from the federal government. It's not going to come from the pharmaceutical industry, so the academic industry. It's got to come from the people themselves to fix the problem. And it's, I'm
0: the most positive fellow in the world, but when you look at the CDC, the NIH, and Big Pharma, and the medical schools, and it's a big juggernaut. I mean, there, you know, are yeah. you know, as you know. Yeah,
1: well, they've got... They're, 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 and the people don't know. They're, they go to those guys to, with, with help. At, well, how's that working? We got 1,600 people a day dying from cancer.
0: Is it that many? 1,600 you know, uh, people a day?
1: Wow. Yeah, it comes out. And that's one of the uh, American Cancer Society logs the dead every year. So they, they, they have all these uh, statistics on how many people are dying from all the different types of cancers. And it keeps going up. Um, uh, I, you know, and they said the war on cancer. Well, how many body counts? Uh, how many people are dying every day? Hmm. And they say, and the biggest, the biggest drop in cancer uh, was the smoke, anti-smoking campaign. The anti-smoking campaign was responsible for ninety percent of any success we've had in cancer in the last fifty years. Well, really, how <laughs> So that means and that, that means we haven't made any progress. It, it's all smoke and mirrors. So, uh, and everybody knows, just look at their obituaries every time. Oh, died from the complications of cancer. What does that mean? He died from the drugs that were used to treat the cancer. Hmm. So you see that a lot. Uh, oh, died from the complications of cancer. They gave him some immunotherapy or poisoned the poor guy and his body couldn't handle it. And the guy died. And they said, well, he was battling his cancer. He died from the complica- complications is covering up the, uh, you died from the ignorance of what you're doing. Hmm and uh it, it's just it's just these use these terms to make it look like yes, uh, they know what doing. it's a tragedy it's a tragedy and it doesn't have to happen there That's is my, as my,
0: you know it's prolific and we get emails the the whole prostate cancer thing from men is is tough boy they get this PSA level number and then they want to do biopsies and it's, it's oh yeah it's it's terrible well, what's going on with
1: well we published a paper showing biopsies can spread cancer uh by just change in the microenvironment, um, you know, not to say that it happens to everybody. I mean, if it happens to one out of 100 people, that's one, one out of 100 that didn't need to die from a damn biopsy. Uh, we published it was uh, uh, inflammatory oncotaxis is what's uh, responsible for that. And there's dozens and dozens of papers, breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, that you could spread the tumor by just biopsying it. And what do you want to biopsy it
0: for? What's
1: the purpose of biopsying? Well, they oh, want to know, know what, if it's what, if it's
0: malignant, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's not malignant, why did you stick it in the first place? And if it's malignant, the last thing you would ever want to do is stick it. So uh, the whole the whole process, uh, liquid biopsies are are coming along, which I think are better, and the federal government is in fact supporting that. Uh, but I don't know if it's there yet. There's a lot of false positives and false negatives. I think once we can get through that that's non-invasive way of mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. detect cancer. And I think that's the probably, any of these non-invasive ways to detect cancer. And they say, oh, we re- re- really need to know what you have so we can treat you. What are you going to treat me with, radiation and chemo? I mean, uh, if I sh- if I use metabolic therapy and shrink it, and it goes away, then you never needed to stick it or use radiation and chemo. And if it comes a real small lump, a surgeon can go in and delicately remove uh, a calcified lump than, than uh, acting like a bull in a china shop spe- mm. spreading the cancer all over the body so uh, almost everything we do to manage cancer is 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 upside down it's not right
0: is there a difference between cancer cells that they claim they whoever they are 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 benign but are malignant or they're just hanging out there or they're spreading is there is that accurate that they tell
1: people yeah well they call them sleeping cancer cells yeah. they they have a they have a partial respiration a partial fermentation; they haven't yet completely lost their growth regulatory system, but you can you can purge them out of your body with with these metabolic therapies as well. So uh, um, you know it's just they're, they're, it's not as an, uh, an acute problem as having a metastatic, a metastatic cancer, mm-hmm. which is the spread, which is a glutamine-driven process uh, anyway. Those metastatic cancer cells are all derived from parts of our immune system the macrophages we know how to kill them anything anything if if you know what the cell is you know how to uh, uh, what it eats figure out what the cell is what its fuels are and go after the fuels and kill it
0: but big picture big picture The the cancer cells like sugar carbs right yeah yeah pretty much Sugar. sugar
1: and glutamine sugar and glutamine can't live without it
0: sugar and glutamine
1: can't live without it. We have not found the tumor cell that can survive without without
0: sugar and glutamine. Why, do people go on a low glutamine diet? Or is there such a thing? No, no,
1: you can't. You have to use drugs. You have to use drugs. Oh, because no, glutamine, no glutamine is in diet. these
0: things that are good for us, correct?
1: Yes. So you have to use the pulse strategy to get rid of the glutamine. Which, so uh, as a drug, drugs, you need drugs. Glutamine targeting drugs, yes.
0: That's pretty tricky. These cancer cells figured out how to use glutamine that we need to, to live. Well, that, that's pretty smart on their
1: no, they're, they're, they are the immune cell. The metastatic cells are, are part of our immune system. All the immune cells use glutamine. So they're just rogue cells. They don't have growth regulation. Oh, because, so they're the same cell as, hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's just biology. Yes, when it's, you understand the biology of the problem, it's not that complicated.
0: It's just biology.
1: <laughs> Paul, wants, I mean, it, sounds, it sounds like I might be saying something that, oh, how does this guy from Boston College know all this stuff? because I study the damn papers and I read them and I do the research on it and I know what works and what doesn't work. I mean, it's, and a lot of people know what I'm saying. A lot of people know what I'm, (laughs) but they're so locked into the system that they can't, they can't say it. They're going to lose their research grants and then they're going to lose their job. And then they're going to be ostracized from the group. Uh, They know I'm right. And they know that I, I, but I see, I'm not, I'm not part of the club. So I, I can say all no, well, this You're not part
0: of the club for sure.
1: Yeah, and I'm supported by, by private foundation money, so I'm not, I don't have to worry about it. losing my NIH grant that I don't have.
0: Oh, so private so, foundations uh, support your work because they believe in it.
1: Absolutely. Wow. There are good people out there. They just want to be part of the new revolution. They want to be part of the new paradigm change. Wow. And they want to know they, 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 they had something good to do for mankind, something that actually works without harming somebody. So, so uh, there are good people out there, and they donate to Travis Christopherson's foundation, and and they and they donate. They set up their own foundations and donate to me. Hmm. So, uh, because they know we're right, and the problem is we're all frustrated by the the control of the system by the academic, government, and pharmaceutical industries that are all jumping on this uh, somatic mutation theory that cancer is a genetic disease. Therefore, we need these very toxic and expensive Drugs to manage the disease. This nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Uh, are there any so, genetic diseases? Uh, in cancer or just, oh, just in general? A lot in general, of course, inborn errors of metabolism. I, I'm on the Tay Sachs committee where it says a, a disease of, of uh, lipid accumulation in the brain. Little kids have it. It's an inherited disease. Hmm. We have cystic fibrosis, uh, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. These are all genetic diseases. You have a whole range of different amino acid disorders. cancer is not, no way. Cancer is not a genetic disease. It's a metabolic disease. So it's a completely different uh, type of disease. It's based on energy metabolism,
0: not mutations. Mm -hmm. And the energy metabolism can get disrupted through uh, diet, lifestyle, chemicals, and and whatever, right? Exactly. And
1: And also rare inherited mutations that damage the mitochondria
0: rare so mutation,
1: yeah like BRCA1 like the BRCA1 gene the uh, leaf realm many you hear some of these rare sure. genet- and they say "Oh, it must be genetic but those mutations damage respiration they they actually damage the mitochondria causing the dysregulated cell growth so it's the mitochondria the the, the is the origin of the disease damage to that organelle in the cell that's the that's the primary cause is oxidative damage to oxidative phosphorylation and you can have a whole range of secondary causes, carcinogens, rare inherited mutations, inflammation, uh, you know, hypoxia, uh, viruses. All of these things are secondary causes. The primary cause is disruption of oxidative phosphorylation.
0: And would that c- be commonly known as oxidative stress or oxidation is the cause? Uh, oxidation yeah, of the biomolecules is what causes disease, correct, pretty much?
1: Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's oxidative stress uh causes damage to the respiration forcing the cell into a fermentation ah. so once it gets into that fermentation then then the cells are dysregulated in their growth and they will continue to grow uh dysregulated as long as they have fermentable fuels available to hmm. them sugar so uh, glucose. yeah yeah which is glucose and glutamine <laughs> so it all comes back to the two fuels i mean if you can get rid of those two fuels uh if you if you prevent that you prevention is different from treatment yes, so sir if you live a healthy lifestyle where you keep your mitochondria healthy exercise eating the right foods and doing all this stuff your mitochondria don't become damaged and you don't get cancer but you live in a very toxic environment and then sometimes you get cancer okay now what are you going to do for me so there's where you have to target simultaneously the two fermentable fuels while transitioning the body over to ketones which the tumor cells can't use as a fuel but the normal cells get super healthy (laughs) burning the ketone bodies and the cancer cells are marginalized it all comes back to a very clear strategy, and it works. And there's a lot of people alive. They're they're, they're making a movie called The Cancer Revolution, based on our stuff. Really, and it's coming out next year, it's a documentary film made by a professional documentarian. You know, um, Brad Jones and his wife Maggie, who survived Maggie survived advanced metastatic cancer to the brain, did metabolic therapy, and is doing really well. So, so what they're doing is collecting all of these case reports of people. Who did metab- Who had all these terminal, so-called terminal cancers, that became non-terminal uh, once they did metabolic therapy? So it's coming. It's a movement. It's a paradigm change. It's coming because people want to live and they want to be healthy. So it just takes a little bit of time to crack through the the the, the foundation of misinformation mm-hmm. that's out there, and and then eventually it'll change.
0: Here's an email from Greg. Patrick has had several people on. Uh, who are call themselves carnivores or ketogenic people that suggest vegetables have high oxalates and are damaging to the body? Do does Dr. Seafried agree with that?
1: You know, I, I don't know what to say um, about any of this stuff. Uh, you know, as I said, what's going to harm your body is damages mitochondria. It, it can happen from so many different kinds of things. You know, you got the plant people, the carnivore people. Right. You know, all the I know people. is all I yeah. know is deep. yeah. All I know is that you know they're like, they're at, they're at each other's throats about what you should eat, what right. you shouldn't eat, right. all this kind of crap. You know, it, it, we go back <laughs> to our Paleolithic period. We ate. We lived uh, um, over a million years eating, eating reindeers and and uh, and stuff like that. We didn't have much. Uh, uh, we were hunter gatherers. We we ate, we ate whatever we could find. You know, and uh, berries in season, or
0: nuts, or I don't know, whatever, right?
1: A lot of this stuff was seasonal, man. Sure. And and, uh, uh, ancestral apples were like the size of a, a maybe a plum, bitter you know, you, you had to wait for them to ripen up a little bit before you, now you got a, an apple that could be the size of a softball full of sugar, you know, and they think they're getting healthy eating that thing,
0: right? Apple a day keeps the doctor away.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, the absurdity of what people think makes them healthy is unbelievable. Sure. So uh, don't eat. You want to get healthy, yeah. stop eating.
0: But <laughs> fat seems to be a key of all of this. Doesn't good fat, uh, uh, butter and, you know, raw milk and
1: no. Yeah, well, I I think if you eat a little bit of it, you know, it's like people gorge themselves on this stuff. It's just uh, just eat a little bit of stuff, you know. Yeah, butter, butter is really is good, much better than margarine. Oh yeah. But you know, nobody's going to sit down and eat a a tub of butter, you know, um, to get healthy. It, it's just uh, it's just a crazy nonsense that we think we we think we understand and we don't.
0: Here's an email for you. Has a good doctor given any thought to, or discussion what would happen to economies? If cancer was cured, I asked because low glycemic diets could also potentially demolish many medical niches. It could take down many drugs and specialists and academic programs as well. He's right.
1: <laughs> that that, that He's person on it. understands the situation. Right. <laughs> so, no, no, that that's true. And uh, that's why we ha- we have to have some sort of a hybrid system come to play. We have to find a new way to generate revenue in industries uh, around the correct path. Um, But you're right, and I I would say that that person there has hit the nail right on the head. Uh, We have part of the greatness of our country is the fact that we're a wealthy country, and uh, a lot of this crazy stuff that we do keeps the wealth. But if you get rid of that, you can get healthy and poor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so we have to know how to we we have to know how to change things but do it in the right way rather than a radically wrong way um and, and you know we understand these things but is there any other isn't there a business model isn't there something that we can transition from one industry to a new industry uh without causing the economy to collapse sure there must I be mean, a, there's got to be a way right there's got to be a way I mean, we're, we're slowly moving into electric cars people are making money on that I mean, we had uh, the guys that used to make sales for uh, commercial sailing ships, they, they went out of business. Now we had steam engines that drew, drove the ships, you know. Um, so we have transitional industries that happen. Uh, there's dr- disruptive technologies that come, and we have to know how to adapt to that. Um, but that person is absolutely right. We 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 need to know how to make the transition uh, from one industry to another in, in, a, in a logical way.
0: Um, Mike writes in, could it be just naivety to think that physicians are being obedient and are don't want to lose their licenses, that they'd rather let patients die on the cross if modern misinformed medicine, than be honest and give patients optional options? Doctors can't be this stupid. I've arrived no. at most, including my dad's former oncologist, that they're mainly interested in protecting their license.
1: Well, th- there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, they they spent a lot of time. There's a lot of, they spent a lot of time and money earning that license. Yes, sir. But, one, but once you become part of the AMA and you can't, and you do things that is not sanctioned by it, you could lose your license. Yeah. So a lot of what I'm saying if uh, and I have many good physician friends that are interested in the quality of life of their patient and said I would love to do what you're talking about, but the system restricts me from doing it. They that. can't do it. They can't They do can't it. Even if they want to do it. So, again, uh, it's 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 tough. Yeah, it really is tough. That's why the people themselves have to make the change. It's not going to come from the industry. It's not going to come from the NIH. It's not going to come from pharmacy. The people must make the change. And the change should come not radically but gradually. Mm-hmm. It, it, because as that one person said, yeah, you could disrupt an entire industry if you do this too radically. Sure. Uh, but but there's got to be some way to do this, you know. There's got to be some int- entrepreneurs uh, that know how to how to make these transitions that could bring another form of revenue generation into the system. I'm not that kind of a guy. Uh, I'm not that person. Uh, I, all I'm doing here is outlining what the nature of the disease is and how best to manage it. Um, uh, if 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 that causes a, a massive disruption in what we're currently doing then we need to uh Deal with make it. some change it's got to be a paradigm change in yeah. some way otherwise we we're okay comfortable with having people die from brain cancer colon cancer and all these other horrific problems because if because we can't look at the patient and say listen thank you for your disease it's keeping my son uh, uh, enrolled in a top uh, college uh i mean you can't say things like that to people um uh it's crazy to do stuff like yeah, that so, so so you, you really have to have a, a, a real strategy, a reevaluation of the situation and come to a, an alternative uh, treatment plan.
0: Beverly writes in for Dr. Thomas. Steve Freed, before we go, a couple more. Um, my husband, diagnosed stage four, Does can he talk about his program and can my husband get into it? Do you, what goes on? Do you all have a program where you work with people or are there other people well, doing it?
1: Yeah, our group in Turkey is doing it uh, and there's Turkey. not too many groups that it's, are doing it's... it. Yeah, you know it's unfortunate, but I think that we're starting to set up clinics in the United States oh, yeah. um, that are able to follow some of the things that they like: detoxification, water-only fasting, uh, calorie-restricted ketogenic mm-hmm. diets. Don't forget, a lot of this falls on the shoulder of the patient. They oh, just yeah. need some guidance. Yeah. If I were to have, if I were to have cancer, I know I wrote all the treatment protocols and I did all this. But I would certainly reach out to my colleagues that I know who are working with patients just to have someone to speak to. Uh, You want to know did they pick up any new information about uh, how to do this and do that? Um, You know, you just like to speak to somebody that would have a little bit more uh, on the same wavelength or or you can consult with rather than just sit there being told by somebody what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Hmm. Um, But you're right, it's coming. Again, it's a slow process by which. Small clinics are starting in different countries, they're starting to use metabolic therapy because it works. And have we perfected this whole system? No, no, not not at all. We just know the core problem, and now we're developing the therapies to fix it. Uh, But is there going to be new drugs and things that are going to be better? Yes, obviously. How to use them? Yes. What makes them better in certain situations? Yeah, well, that's the future. Right now, I'm just saying we have a framework. That framework is better than the framework that's currently being used to treat cancer patients.
0: And you can prove that. You can prove that.
1: Yeah, because we have the scientific evidence to prove it. Hmm. We know the cancer cell can't live without glucose and glutamine. So the strategy is clear, what you should be doing. You know how to manage it. Get the drugs and diets and things that will target glucose and glutamine while transitioning the body over to therapeutic ketosis. I mean, it's very clear. Is it easy to do? No. Do you need willpower and motivation? Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, that might eliminate a lot of people. So, But those guys who know, who, who want to take charge of their very soul and their existence, yes, sir. They, they have a tendency to get motivated. And many people appreciate it. Oh, they get
0: very motivated. Fact. You
1: should see the emails yes. I get. They'll they do anything. Love, They'll do anything. They love calculating the little sugar in their blood and sure. doing all this stuff. They feel good about it. And then they start getting healthy, <laughs> and they tell me how wonderful they feel.
0: Right. <laughs> On the, uh, spe- speaking What's of wrong that, with that, speaking I mean, of that, when you do the finger prick from the, you know, the just the, do you have a favorite kind of number you'd like to see people at in the morning fasting blood sugar?
1: Uh, well, you know, the, it's called the morning, morning. the morning the dawn effect. That blood sugar goes up. You got to do it a couple of times during the day, mm-hmm. and, and then you get to know your body, and it tells you what part of the day you're best suited for. Say a drug that would target glutamine or hyperbaric chamber or vitamin C. Uh, uh, What is it called? Vitamin C therapy. You know, the
0: IV IV vitamin C. IV vitamin
1: C. Yeah. All all of these things will work together when the patient is in therapeutic ketosis. But you need to know your daily blood glucose. Some people are are, are more in the late afternoon, early evening, early morning. Late morning is maybe sometimes better. I, I don't know. It's it's an individual thing. Yeah. Everybody has to measure it for themselves.
0: Yeah. And the diabetes people, they have their own numbers that they tell people, and who knows how accurate they
1: are. Uh, diabetes is a very curable disease, type mm. two, type, type two, two, not type oh. one. Type two. And Verda Health is a company that's showing people how to manage type two diabetes using metabolic uh, strategy. Mm. So I'm saying you can manage cancer using a very similar metabolic strategy except you need drugs to target the glutamine, which is not a problem, not, a, not an issue with the diabetic situation.
0: And you you all figured out the glutamine thing, just in the lab and just working with this for years and this came up, you just figured well,
1: it out? Well, everybody, no, the whole cancer field knows glutamine is a, is a provocative mit, m- molecule. Hmm. They think it's all respired. They think it's the mitochondria are respiring the glutamine. It's not, it's being fermented. That's the new thing. And that's what Otto Warburg did not know either. The great scientist uh, Otto Warburg did not know about glutamine fermentation. That's our thing. That's what we came up with. That's what we discovered, that glutamine is being fermented, not respired.
0: Because so lack have of to- oxygen, lack of oxygen.
1: Yes, yes. They, cancer cells can burn glutamine in the absence of oxygen and generate energy through a uh, mitochondrial substrate-level phosphorylation pathway. Wow. I'm working with the leader from uh, Semmelweis Hungary, uh, world leader on that particular pathway, Dr. Uh, Christos Shinopoulos. He and I are putting all this together. Really? So we have the best scientists <laughs> and the best uh, people. All over I the world, Bud, too. All over the all world. All over the world. Bud Veach was uh, uh, Hans Krebs's last uh, student of the Krebs cycle. George Cahill ran the Di- Di- Joslin Diabetes Center. These are the guys that that I worked with, uh, the guys that really knew their shit. Let's put it that way.
0: Did he just say that on the radio? That's exciting yeah, stuff, well, though. It really is. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Don't worry about. it. But that's uh, that's exciting stuff, though. What you're you know what you're working with?
1: It's yeah. very exciting. But I also agree with that one comment. I mm. mean, it's a, it's a disruptive technology. We have to have someone, other people, come in to figure out how the transition is going to work. Right. People want the transition. Uh, The transition is the right way to go, but we we also don't want to disrupt the economy in doing it. So uh, clearly we have other interests that have to be taken into consideration as well.
0: And of course then you have the insurance companies. That's a huge part in this, huge
1: huge yeah well, oh. they have to be part of this too and they they, they like be. high insurance policy what well, your insurance policy prices are going to go down yeah. so uh, they, they got to be a way to, to readjust and write more insurance policies i mean the, the issue is somebody else is going to have to figure out that problem that's not going to be <laughs> that's, that's
0: that's above your pay grade has dr Siegfried? <laughs> yeah. uh, how's he been able let's see maggie says how have you been able to get this message out it seems like those on the right track are usually threatened with loss of job grants or you know other things. Has he heard of Dr. Gonzalez and Dr. Kelly's use of enzymes for cancer?
1: You know, if, I don't know what to say about that stuff. I mean, if it targets glucose and glutamine, consider it. If it's not targeting glucose and glutamine, it might be a waste of time. It's not that complicated.
0: If Dr. Siegfried is aware of doctors that were threatened with fines or losing their license over treating COVID with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and vitamin C. you aware of those? That's going um, on.
1: No, you know, uh, I'm not dealing with the COVID stuff. Mm. You know, I, that's something out is. of my know. Yeah,
0: who knows what it is. Well, you're fun to talk to. Thanks for your work, your main website. So we're going to do, just give folks your email. Is that is that how we do it?
1: Yeah, you can. Uh, I can send some information out to cancer patients. Okay, can if, if they if they find that the information is useful, then they can make a donation to uh, one of the private foundations. Um, that's all. You know, I don't charge people any money for for this information, but hmm. but if they feel that they it helped them in any way, then yeah. they should make a donation. It's just that. Oh simple. yeah, you
0: should always uh, give. And, give and a little, I don't right? care
1: what they donate. Yeah. You know, um, but that's the way that we get supported because our research is based on philanthropy hmm. and private foundations.
0: Private foundations that believe in your work that that just give you money, donate yeah. money. Yeah,
1: they donate money to uh, Travis Christopherson's Foundation for Cancer Metabolic Therapies, and then there's some fa- family foundations, and then some people set up their own foundations simply to support our work. I see. If they if they have that. So it's all foundational uh support, private foundational support. Um and when the NIH finally comes around to realize that cancer is not a genetic disease, uh they'll be giving more and more grants uh for actual management of the disease. Um you know, we still do basic research on it too. I mean, we're not getting rid of the basic research, but uh, we pretty much know what we need to do to manage the disease. We just need the we ju- we just need the um Dosage, timing, and scheduling of the different procedures to optimize it all.
0: Right. Uh, The email is thomas.seafried at bc.edu, and you'll send folks some information, right? Yeah. You'll send them some information. Well, it's great having you on the show. It was fun. Thank you. I appreciate your time, sir. I really.
1: Okay. Thank you, Patrick. Nice to be here. Nice to be with you, sir.
0: Thank you. Take care. Dr. Thomas Seafried, Patrick Timpone, Network.com. Pretty cool stuff, eh? Yeah, baby. Well, there's, you know, something to this carnivore and keto thing we've been looking at for oh, the last six months or so. And I do good on it. So you might too look at it. We have lots of shows, carnivore people and keto people and try to find your way. Let me know if I can help in any way. My email is patrick at com. We're going to talk tomorrow uh, with the gentleman on uh, about love and uh, reincarnation. And then also... Um, Dr. Charles, or Charles Nenner and his, his work and the Nenner Institute on the stock market. Pretty cool stuff. So I love you all very much. Thank you for your support. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Take care. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is One OneRadioNetwork.com.